I know David Barton said some things. Uh, you can be seated here. We're going to pray just for a few moments. David Martin uh, said some things on Brother Copeland's uh, program that we should be praying that he will surround himself with the right advisors and counselors, that he'll have the right strategy and tactics and people to implement the things that, according to what he says, will make great America great again that he will have favor in Washington, D.C. to be able to make needed reforms that have deep-seated resistance to change, that he would be strengthened, spirit, soul, and body, that he would have the wisdom of God for all circumstances, and that he would have physical, mental, and spiritual strength, that he would have insights and concepts that he needs for political business in his personal life, And that he would have the insight of where he needs to be in his own prayer life and in his own commitment to God. That his family would be drawn to God and held close to him. And that God would send people on assignment from, from the Lord to speak into their political and personal lives. And that we are also to take authority over evil spirits that have set themselves up in Washington, D.C. and against Donald Trump as President of the United States by... Pleading the blood of Jesus over Donald Trump and over all government officials in this nation. Praying against the attacks from evil spirits in heavenly places, etc. that would attempt to assault Donald Trump and his purpose. Then commanding Satan to cancel any assignments that he has against Donald Trump because he belongs to God. And also declaring that no wicked spirit shall thwart Mr. Trump from accomplishing that which he has been called to do. If you're in agreement with that, just stand up and say amen. Amen. And I tell you what, you can pray the perfect will of God. A couple of ways you can be praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. And if you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, you can be praying in English and you can pray something like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done. So Father, all the aforementioned things we're in harmony with. We set ourselves in agreement. Let's just offer our supply of prayer in the Spirit here for a few moments, guys. You want to walk, you want to sit, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Your will, your will, your will, your plan. So we pray in the Spirit. We pray in English. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In your body, in this nation, Lord, let there be awakening even in the body of Christ. And arising from slumber. Oh, brokashishe, brokashishe, mande gabakutuli deshe. We will not miss our day of visitation. We will not miss our day of manifestation. 
Bakasa. Onde geçti? Mighty, mighty, mighty. Mighty harvest. There's a mighty harvest to be reaped. A mighty, mighty harvest. Oh my. Oh my, Mandikasaya. Ah. Kashula Pai. Oh, Mangishe Leblande de Bosi Ereni. Oh, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Rain, 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 rain. Kasula Paraneshe. Oh, let's lift up hands and give him praise tonight. We want to offer a continual supply of prayer. Corporately, individually, Lord. Makasota. Oh, it's a great day to be alive, guys. Hallelujah. It's great to be alive. Great to be breathing. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. Beautiful. Well, turn, shake hands with your neighbor, and we're going to go ahead and... Uh, make you aware of a couple things tonight we're going to uh, receive the uh, tithes and offerings now here in a moment uh, everyone say the joy of generosity and so every every offering now goes toward our goal of uh, 250,000 nothing's too big for God you know he, he is El Shaddai. He's not El Chipo. Amen. And he will supply every need. He's been faithful and he is faithful. Amen. And uh, so as you are believing God, you know, look for unexpected income. Look for things to happen in your life. Amen. It's wonderful how God does stuff. And he's got the stuff. And he's just looking for us to believe him and expect him to let God be God. Amen? Let God be God in your own individual life and uh, in the life of the church. And we've got a very special time. The ushers are going to come and going to wait on you. Those of you who need an envelope for your giving, you can raise your hands. And, and uh, we've got a very special guest coming Sunday morning to speak. Well, not a guest, but Pastor Brenda is going to bring the... Christmas message Sunday morning on the 11th, this Sunday. You excited about that? I'm excited about it. I'm real excited about it. And uh, man, if you weren't here Sunday night, you missed at least three quarters of your life. <laughs> We're getting some good reports. It was just wonderful. And uh, of course, every time we come together in the name of Jesus, we have a good time, right? Man, what about this good group up here tonight? Huh? Man. Look at this good group up here. What a blessing. And I know you guys have been working hard for the Christmas program. Uh, real hard. And I know it's all coming together. So you don't want to miss the 18th on Sunday night. Big, big Christmas program. Going to be a lot of fun. Praise the Lord. Pastor Tom, I'm going to go ahead and pray and you just lead us in worship. Lord, we love you tonight because we love your work. We love your cause on the earth. We bring our tithes and offerings to you with joy. And we thank you, Father, for the blessing of God that it maketh rich. And you don't add any sorrow with it. And we're just recipients, Lord. And we just offer you praise. 
We cast a highway for God to bring his 18-wheelers in. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for it. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights. So our part is just to sing praise. The ASV version says, sing to the Lord, cast a highway for our God. Amen. You may be seated. Now, Father, we approach your word reverently. We approach it humbly. Thank you, Lord God, for this time that we have together in your presence. We couldn't thank you enough for all of your great, great grace upon our lives. We love you. We receive tonight with meekness the engrafted word which saves, uh, which saves our souls and brings stability into our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Well, Brenda and I were married in the year of 1977 on July 22nd. And when we were married, we were both working for Kenneth E. Hagen Ministries down there at Rama Bible Training Center. Uh, Brenda worked uh, with the... Uh, uh, answering uh, mail for the prison ministry, and uh, she would, uh, you know, communicate with them, uh, Dad Hagen's heart, on the answers that they might have, and sending them books and so forth. And I had the privilege of working in shipping and receiving for a period of time, and then I got called into the media department where I actually uh, got to put all of Brother Hagen's radio broadcasts together edited those and got them ready to mail out. And also, I edited uh, several of his teaching series, one called How to Be Led by the Spirit of God, um, the other one, The Name of Jesus, and uh, the other one was Ten Necessary Steps to Follow When Faith Seems Weak and Victory Seems Lost. And uh, so I had the privilege, you know, of being paid to be working with the Word for eight hours a day. It was it was a real joy. Well, just recently here, I looked up uh, what to do when faith seems weak and victory seems lost. And I found it on YouTube. Uh, you can get a lot of Dad Hagen's materials on YouTube. I mean, just tons and tons of his teaching. It is so rich. Matter of fact, uh, I saw one where we had in Hayward over there on Royal Avenue. And uh, it was, I mean, he was in rare form. It was just awesome. And so, of course, we... We, uh, you know, honor him and we honor Rama Bible Training Center and honor Pastor Hagen and Miss Lynette Hagen as well. And uh, but I uh, started watching him on this uh, what to do when faith seems weak and victory seems lost. So I want to share a few things out of that. I think it's appropriate to to talk about that. You know, this time of year, sometimes people get a little weakened by circumstances um, you know, if you keep your spirit strong, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. You're strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Amen? But I think it's a good reminder for us to know that we do have an enemy. And that he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so our, uh, our answer to him would be, even though he comes to devour, he may not devour us. Right? And I think it's very important that we realize that the source of our opposition is not God. The source of our opposition is Satan and evil spirits. God has never been opposed to his children. He's always for them. And of course, you know, you could look over there at uh, Romans, the eighth chapter. It'd be a good place to start. Let's look over at Romans, the eighth chapter. And uh, notice with me over here, a few verses. Just going to stir you up tonight and believe God. Amen for utterance for me tonight. Jesus name. Romans chapter 8, and uh, 
verse 31. It says, what shall we then say uh, to, to these things? Evidently, the Apostle Paul was facing some things that were trying to weaken him or to bring him down. And so the Apostle Paul said, we need to say something to these things. You know, things will continue to harass you unless you deal with them. You can't outthink the devil. You can't outreason him. You've got to speak to him. Amen? And take your dominion and your authority over him. So what shall then we say to these things? Well, you know the rest of the verse. Let's say it together. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. I like to say it this way. Since God is for me, what difference does it make? What comes against me? And then, of course, another verse of Scripture is over in the Psalms, in Psalm 118, I believe, in verse 6. It says, the Lord is on my side. That means he's for us. Amen. He's not against us. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we on his side? Amen. Well, what do you mean? Am I on his side? I'm born again. Well, to be on his side, you've got to take sides with the word of God in every situation. Because God and his word are one. You can't say that. I'm on the Lord's side if you're doing things and saying things that are contrary to his word. Amen? Amen. So we need to understand that to be on the Lord's side, we need to comply with his word. And of course, let it dwell in us in a rich manner. Amen? And so we know this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look over there and notice with me in verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, it talks about the God, and I like to emphasize the small God, small g, small g, in whom the God of this world. Now, what does he do? He comes to blind people's minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should do what? should shine unto them. See, he not only tries to blind the minds of those which believe not, but he also tries and attempts to blind the minds of believers. Amen? See, it's the entrance of his word that gives us light. And so if there's no word entering into the heart of a believer, there's not really any light, right? And so the enemy is a deceiver. And one of the ways that he deceives is by telling lies like this. Well, you know, I just don't know how come that accident happened to me. I guess the Lord was trying to teach me some sort of a lesson. Or, you know, Uncle Joe, you know, he just died of this disease or that disease. I don't understand it. You know, he was only 45 years old. I guess the Lord needed him up in heaven. Or things like this. Oh, man, wasn't that a catastrophic Uh, tsunami that took place over there in uh, Indonesia? Or wasn't that a terrible earthquake that took place over there in Italy? And then even insurance policies will, because because they don't understand, their minds are blinded. You know what they call those things in some of those policies? They call those things acts of God, not our God. That's an act of the small God. That's an act of the devil. 
Somebody says, well, I wish you'd prove that to me. Well, I'm glad you asked. We'll do exactly that. God is not responsible for, neither is he the author of any of those things. Now notice in John chapter 10, look at John, the 10th chapter and the 10th verse. Now in this verse, we're going to see how the Jesus very clearly contrasted his works with the works of the devil. John 10, 10. Amen. Aren't you glad you know the truth? And you know what the truth does for you? The truth gets you free. And you know what staying in the truth does for you? What does it do? It keeps you free. Amen. Now notice here in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says here that the thief, that's the devil. God's not a thief. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so the line is drawn. That which steals, that which kills, that which destroys is not God. It's the devil. That which brings life, that which brings light, that which brings love, that which brings the glory of God on the scene, that which exalts the Father, that comes from above. That comes from Jesus. Amen? Another way you could say it this way, every good gift is from above. Life is good. Love is good. Light is good. Aren't you glad you know the good word of God? And you know how good your father is. So it's the thief. I mean, we might as well be honest about it. We need to call the thief the thief and we need to call God, God. Now here's something else Jesus said. He said in John 14, let's look over at verse 9 and 10. John chapter 14, verse 9 and 10. You know, Philip came to him one day and, and he said, Now, Jesus, um, do me a favor and show us the Father. Show us the Father. Well, then Jesus answered in verse 9 and 10 of John 14. Have I been not so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has what? In other words, when you see Jesus, you're seeing the Father. Jesus said, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own thing. But I came down from heaven to do the will of him that sent me. I came down from heaven to do the will of my Father. And another time he said... I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Amen. Would stealing, killing, and destroying please the Father? No. Where would the Father get the, uh, where would he get something to destroy a person with? He doesn't have stuff like that in heaven. Amen. Now notice, he said, he that has seen me, he's seen the Father. And how do you say then, show us the Father? Notice here, verse 10. Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. 
He doeth the works. So Jesus made it very clear that when he was going about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, it was because his father was not only for him, but his father was dwelling in him. Oh, glory to God. When he fed the multitude, that was a work of God that Jesus was carrying out on the earth. And you know something else? The Bible says, as believers, glory to God. We better look at it. Let's look at John. It's just too good to quote. Look at John 14, 12. Beside that, I might quote it wrong. John 14, 12. I ask you tonight, did you wear your shouting clothes? Glory to God. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. How about you? Verse 12, verily, verily, I say unto you. You got a double verily there. He that believeth on me. Any, any believers in the house tonight? The works that I do. Remember, Jesus said, it's the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. So he said, now the works that I do, shall he do also. Who's the he? That's the believers. That's you and that's me. So what Jesus is saying, that the body of Christ, if they'll just believe God, have the capability to do the same works that Jesus did. And the reason why is because the same father that dwelt in Jesus dwells in us. Amen. Amen. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And what other kind of works? Somebody shout greater. Greater. Shout it again. greater. Greater. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my father. Amen. So we understand and we recognize that the source of our opposition is not God, it is the enemy. But then you and I must stand our ground. Once we recognize where the source of opposition comes from, we need to stand our ground against him. And that's where the book of Ephesians ties in real good with this message. So let's look over at Ephesians chapter 6. Notice with me a couple of verses over there. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. The greater one lives in me and I'm walking in the light. Glory to God. How about you? Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the 10th verse. Now notice this verse 10. Finally, my brethren, that includes the cistern too, right? Finally, my brethren, be strong. Now listen, the same one who said, light be, says to you, be strong. The one who said, light be, had the capability to bring to pass light. The same one who said, light be, says, be strong. He has the capability to strengthen you even when you feel weakened. And life will throw curves at you. There's, you know, I mean, you ought to try pastoring for 35 years. <laughs> you hear some things you'd rather not hear. <laughs> but, you know, you, you love people, but you've got to keep your head above it. Not out of a superiority attitude, but you've got to keep your, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. So, life can be difficult. All of you have faced some circumstances, some difficulties. 
But the same one who said light be, said be strong. Be strong. Amen. Be strong. Now notice he didn't say, here's what he didn't say. He didn't say be strong in yourself. He didn't say be strong in your education. Amen. He didn't say be strong because you're, you know, your your physique, because you're cut. No. He said, be strong in the Lord and in what? And in the power of his might. The power of his might is available to those he said be strong to. Woo, glory to God. I'm tapping into the power of God right now. I got faith in the power of God flowing through my veins, flowing through my mind, flowing through my body. And it'll even flow through your finances. Be strong. If I was preaching Sunday morning, I would say this. Some of you need to stop being wrong. But this is Bible study. Be strong. Strong. I am strong. Let's say this together. I am. I am. I'm strong. I am strong. In the Lord. I am strong 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 in the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm strong. I am strong in the Lord. I'm strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Because I'm strong in the Lord, I don't have to yield to temptation that I've yielded to before. Because I'm strong in the Lord, I don't have to fall into sin like I fell into sin in yesteryear. Because I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might, I can overcome whatever comes my way. That's what those who are strong in the Lord need to say. Amen? Amen? Let the weak say, let's put a little bit more emphasis on that, I am strong. Let the weak say, one more time, let the weak say, I am strong. Strong in the Lord. You can do the same thing with, I am healed. Amen? I am compassionate. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now here again, here's the thought. You know the source of opposition is the enemy. Now be ready to stand against him. With the armor of God on. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm trying to be strong. No, that won't work. You know, a lot of old-line Pentecostals and old-time Pentecostals would have uh, what they call testimony service. And sometimes the testimony service would go south. You know what I mean by going south? 
You know, people with good intentions, you know, they kind of lose themselves in the midst of the testimony service. And say things like, you know, uh, man, I, I, got, I got the devil on the run. Only problem is he's running after me. And here's another famous one. Oh, dear God, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me that I'll just hold out faithful. I don't know whether I can or not, but just pray for me, would you? That I'll hold out faithful to the end. I want to read you a story that Dad Hagen tells, and I can't recite it. I can't tell stories as well as Brenda does, so I'm going to read this. On May 11th, 1932, a crowd of 10,000, and I watched the film of this today. It's on YouTube. A crowd of 10,000 assembled to welcome the world's largest dirigible, the U.S. Navy's $8 million USS Akron, to Camp Kearney in San Diego, California. Now, at that time, the U.S. government was experimenting with lighter-than-aircraft things. And so they were attempting to moor this dirigible down to the ground. And the mooring, the mooring appeared to be successful. Then a ring that held one of the two mooring cables snapped, and the 785-foot airship started to lift. Two groups of sailors holding landing ropes attached to the cables attempt, attempt, attempted to guide the Akron back to its mooring mast, but strong winds buffeted the giant dirigible, and it broke loose. Lifting, now listen to this, lifting many of the 200 sailors 10 to 20 feet off the ground. Some were injured as they fell. Then only three men dangled from the 300-foot cable as the Akron continued to ascend. And I saw this today. Three men, 200, 300 feet above sea level. I saw two of them fall. It wasn't a pretty sight. According to contemporary newspaper accounts, hysteria prevailed. Women fainted. Officers wept. Enlisted men ran around, the, ran around wildly, unable to help the three desperate men clinging to the cable. Soon two of the men could hold on no longer, and they plummeted 150 feet and 200 feet to their deaths. But further up, in the twisted lines, the third sailor, a 19-year-old enlisted man from Oklahoma... He braced his feet in some wooden hand grips and quickly lashed other lines attached to the cable around his body. He just kept holding on as the Akron rose to, listen to this, 2,000 feet. You imagine the onlookers, horrified, just seen those deaths. The horrified onlookers thought that his strength would surely fail at any moment and he too would fall to his death. Half an hour passed. Then the tiny figure moved and the man was alive. Attempts to lower the giant aircraft were unsuccessful because of the winds. The sailor's two-hour ordeal finally ended up when the crew cautiously hauled him inside the airship by hand while the Akron circled San Diego. When people asked him, how in the world did you hang on so long? He replied, I didn't hold on. 
When I saw I was too up, too far up from the ground to let go, I wrapped the ropes around me. I wasn't holding on to them. They were holding me. <laughs> While people on the ground were screaming, he was up there. This is Dad Hagen's comments. He was up there enjoying the scenery. He wasn't trusting himself to hold on. He was trusting the rope to hold him. He was swinging free. And then Dad Hagen says in his book, that's what God's word is talking about. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, just wrap yourself in the promises of God and swing free. Just, in, just enjoy yourself. If you try to hold on, you'll tire out after a while. But there's a, yes, there's a wily foe against us, but thank God we stand against him. Somebody said, I've done all I know to do. What am I going to do now? Having done all to stand, we can stand. Oh, glory to God. Oh, my brothers and sisters, these are exceeding great and precious promises. And you may have heard them a thousand times. Some of you may have heard them 10,000 times. But just keep meditating. Just keep wrapping your spirit around with the word of the living God. And when the winds assail and when the floods come and when the enemy tries to take you out. Oh, hallelujah. You're holding on to the promises of God. And the promises of God are upholding you. And how can you fail with a good God like that? Whoo, glory to God. Some of you just need to hold your Bibles near your heart. So, oh, Lord, I love you. And I love your word. I'm going to meditate on your word while I have breath in my body. Your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Oh, thank God for his word. There's strength in the power of God's word. It's able to build you up. And it's able to give you an inheritance. Amen. And so then the next thing we want to talk about limitedly tonight is make sure what you're standing for and what you're believing for, make sure it's found in the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, let's quote it together. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So, you know, we saw this in, 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 at Ramah. You know, a lot of people were walking around claiming so-and-so to be their mate. And they hadn't even met him yet. Well, certainly you can believe God and you can claim a wife, but you can't necessarily claim somebody you never met before. That person might have something to say about it. See, a lot of stuff is just foolish and it's just stupidity. It's ignorance gone to seed. Amen. Well, I, you know, I'm tired of the wife I got. I'm just going to go get me another one. Where's that in the Word? You can't find that in the Word. I'm going to trade her in or I'm going to trade him in on a new model. Well, husbands and wives are not, are not models. And then, you know, we, well, I'm not going to meddle anymore. Because I want to get on to something else here. And then there's people, well, you know, I mean, I, I'm believing. I, we, we, would you please pray for me? Would you pray for me? You know, prayer is good. But I want to know what I'm praying about. Amen. And I, know, I want to know what scriptures that person's standing on. That's right. 
I, I don't want to do one of these drive-by prayers. Come on now. Shandai, shandai. See me tie my bow tie, you know. Promise me you'll stay up all night and pray. I'm not going to do it. How about you? (laughs) No, when you've been around the word long enough, you have a responsibility to get the word in you for yourself. Well, dear brother, pray for me. Please pray for me. Okay, what are we praying about? Well, I'm, you know, and then you ask them, what scriptures are you standing on? And they say, well, none in particular. You know what they're going to get? Nothing in particular. Somebody says, well, that's unkind. Well, it's time we stop petting the devil and get real about it. And place some responsibility in the hands of all these crazy charismatics that that want you to do all the praying for them. Now, that was nice. (laughs) And then once you've got some scriptures... And once you've placed them firmly in your spirit, then be prepared to not allow doubt or unbelief into your, into your life. And that's part of fighting the good fight of faith. You got a few more minutes, don't you? You didn't come out in the cold to get a little four points in a poem tonight. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. We can do without doubt, can't we? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Be sure, like Dad says, be sure then no doubt or unbelief is permitted in your life concerning the promises of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. It says, fight. A lot of people stop right there. I'm not a fighter, I'm passive. Well, if you're a Christian, you better learn to be a fighter. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you have been called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, how many of you remember the story of the 12 spies? Now, they were sent out to spy out the land. They were not sent out to see whether or not they could take the land... They were sent out as spies to spy out the land as to how they were going to take the land. Because God had already told them that the land is yours. Now, 10 out of the 12 came back with a bad report. We could say this, they were moved by what they saw. They probably didn't even believe in the first place that the land was theirs. But Caleb and Joshua, they didn't bring back a bad report. They brought back a good report. Now notice with me in in the book of Numbers, and we're not going to spend a lot of time there. In Numbers 13 and verse 27 through verse 32, it says here, they came back and they said, And they told him, Now we came to the land whither thou sentest, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, 
and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. So they were moved by the strength of the people. They forgot the strength of God. They said the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb tried to shut them up. And he stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger with thee. And they brought back up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we sign it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants. Doubt is moved by what it sees. The sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and notice, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Doubt will shrink you down to the size of a grasshopper. That's the way they saw themselves, and that's the way the enemy saw them. But I'm here to tell you tonight that faith always has a good report. Faith always has a report of victory. But we must fight to maintain the good report. It's not easy. When the giants are out there staring you in the face, it's not easy. you got to fight to maintain a good report. You know, Paul was on his way to Rome... And they said, we're going we're gonna to cast off. We're going we're gonna to take this journey. And Paul warned them. And he said, you know, guys, I perceive that this voyage is going to be pretty dangerous. And it's not only going to affect the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. And that's exactly what happened. They lost the ship. They lost the merchandise. They would have lost their lives. Don't you suppose the great Apostle Paul, perhaps when he was out there and the ship was going back and forth, don't you suppose he was tempted to doubt and fear? But oh, here's what happened. And I'm telling you what, God always shows up in your midnight hour. In Acts, let me just read it to you. In the book of Acts, there came an angel on the scene and, he's, and, and, and what Paul told them on the ship after he came was, Be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Don't you be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Here's what Paul said and here's what you can say when doubt and fear assails against your life. Number one, I belong to God. I belong to God. The greater one is in me. I am of God. 
Secondly, not only do I belong to God, but I serve God. And then thirdly, I believe God. That it's going to turn out just the way God said it would. You know, Paul's statement brought, statements brought him through a hard place. You and I will go through some more hard places before the rapture happens. But thank God, who do you believe? How many of you believe God? Let me ask you tonight, who do you belong to? Who do you serve? Well, the God that you belong to and the God that you serve and the God that you believe is well able able to keep that which you have committed to him against that day. Amen. Stand up, everybody. That's enough for tonight. Lord, we give you praise. And we thank you, Lord, that we are wrapped up, tied up and tangled up in Jesus. Lord, we just embrace the promises of God. We embrace the presence of God in this place tonight. And Lord, we give you glory to God. We give you glory tonight. Magnify your name. Just lift your hands up and give him praise. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. It's like R.W. Shambach said, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. Is every head bowed and every eye closed? You're here tonight. You have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior as of yet. And you'd like to do so this evening. By the uplifted hand, you'd say, yeah, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Amen. I don't see anybody raising their hands, but you're here tonight. Perhaps you've not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost, with the Bible evidence of speaking with other tongues, and you'd like to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Would you kindly raise your hand and say, yeah, pray for me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit.